What does the word community mean to you? Community. Is it your next door neighbors? Your school or church group? Your closest friends and family? Or everyone in your city? Right now, you listeners out there are part of our Midtown Radio community, wherever you are listening from. I think community can mean whatever you want it to mean. Your community consists of the people you surround yourself with, geographically close or not, and the people you share parts of your life with. And when you think about all of these people, there are a lot of amazing things that a community can do. They are the friendly faces we see when we are walking down the street, a group that organizes a fundraiser or event for those in need, and they are the people supporting us during this difficult time in the world. Today, we celebrate the magic that can happen when communities work together and the great feelings we get when we are part of them. I'm Alison Dijak, and this is Midtown Bookshelf. everyone and welcome to Midtown Bookshelf on Midtown Radio. My name is Allison Dijak and I'm joined today by my lovely co-hosts Matt Rappelt. Hello. Hi there and Serena McDermott. Good morning. Hi guys. So today's show is all about celebrating neighborhoods and communities, particularly our wonderful local community of Kitchener-Waterloo. So we all live in Kitchener and I would love to hear Serena and Matt about how or why you decided on Kitchener uh, for your place to live and what you love about this city. Well, I came to Kitchener. I grew up in, um, in Fergus, so about 40 minutes away. And um, I came to Kitchener a lot when I was growing up. And Kitchener was always like the big city in comparison to Fergus. I, w- I remember being astounded by buildings that were taller than three or four stories when I came to walk in downtown. And it, so it always had a, a kind of interesting big city vibe to me when I was growing up. And it seemed like a place that I might like to live even when I was a little bit younger. And so after I graduated university, I had to choose where I um, where I was going to go to teacher's college and Laurier had a teacher's college program that was very highly um, regarded and it just seemed like the right fit for me and I'm very happy that I came here as soon as I spent some time um, in Kitchener-Waterloo I knew that this is a place that I wanted to stay the sense of community is wonderful the businesses are amazing and you just really feel at home here and I'm so happy that I made my uh, made my choice to come here and and thrilled to be able to stay in this wonderful community. Nice. Thanks. What about you, Serena? I moved to Waterloo Region for university. So that uh, brought me here about a decade ago. And I really enjoyed the city, like the the people who came for the university, the um, innovation that was happening in the area. So I was settled in Waterloo for a while. And it was maybe three years ago that I moved down to Kitchener. And I really um, was happy to be close to downtown and midtown with all the businesses there. My husband has a business in that area, so he's able to walk to work, and we have such a great transit system. So I'm still up at the university, and I can take the the ION up to the university now, which is great. Um, I really love Kitchener and Waterloo because it it is truly a city, and it's a city unto itself. It's not Um, like a bedroom community of another place, the things that go on in this city um, happen like for all the residents. We have our own symphony. We have our own, you know, art exhibits and sports events that happen. Um, We're not having to commute into another spot to see all of those cultural events. So I really love that because I grew up in the GTA and everything was so Toronto centric. I didn't live in Toronto, but anything I wanted to do was happening in Toronto. So that's really why I love Kitchener. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a pretty special place. Um, I grew up in Waterloo and it's funny, I actually never thought that I would stay here as an adult. I went away to Guelph for university for four years and totally fell in love with Guelph. But then 
you know, as I grew older and uh, had some friends that ended up in, in KW, I just kept coming here on the weekends to visit them and started to see kind of everything that had changed since I was younger. And I just felt so pulled back to the city. So I'm really glad that I, that I ended up here too. Um, are there any really great local businesses that you guys have been trying to support during this quarantine, whether it's some online shopping or some takeout from somewhere that you love? Well, Allison, we've been going to Lady Glaze Donuts yes. in Belmont Village, <laughs> and we've been getting some some donuts at least once a week. Mm -hmm. And of course, they are amazing. and We love supporting Lady Glaze. Um, also, we had a dinner from uh, Golden Dynasty restaurant recently and I mean we're trying to support as many local businesses as we can because we know that they are the bedrock of our community and they're doing their part to help their workers and so it really is uh, it's important for us uh, as consumers and customers to support local and make sure that the, that they're able to survive uh, through the situation. Yeah we're doing sort of the same trying to um, buy lots of local stuff. Cafe Pyrus is a favorite of ours and they have a the Cafe Pyrus Outpost as well. Mm -hmm. So they're selling some groceries through there. So we've been buying there. And there's a great Ethiopian restaurant, Moya Restaurant on Highland. Oh. Um, and they're still doing their takeout and they're great. So if you're looking for something a little bit different to try, definitely check them out. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. A, a guilty pleasure of mine has been a great sandwich from Vincenzo's for lunch. There's been a few times where you know, I look in the fridge and I just, all I want is a Vincenzo sandwich. So we've been getting some takeout from there every once in a while. And we also have been doing all of our grocery shopping at uh, Central Fresh mm -hmm. as well. And that's a great local grocery store. It happens to be just about a five minute walk for us. So it's very convenient, but it's a really good alternative to going to any of the big box places where it could be really busy right now. And if you're just looking for produce, you can check out Dutchies as well. They've got lots of fresh produce and great prices too if you're if you're on a budget. Mm -hmm, wonderful. So we're gonna kick off our show today with a not local anymore, but an originally KW artist. Um, this is a great song just about being positive and trying to remember that uh, you know our positive thoughts can outweigh the bad in the world. This is "Love Is Louder" by Craig Cardiff. When is every song an argument, every word a bomb? Terrible explosions brought together wrong. He said, I know, I know, I know the words to, I know, I know the words to. I was there with you, I wrote them too. We said, Love is louder than them and all this. Love is louder than them and all this. Love is louder than them and all this noise. We say, Love is louder. Time. How much time is there? 
open than all this noise. We said love is louder than Welcome back to Midtown Bookshelf. Today we're talking about community, and Alison Dijak has brought in a book that celebrates local community. Alison, tell us about the book you have today. Thanks. So I brought in a great book that I first heard actually when I was supply teaching at a school uh, in Kitchener one day. Uh, this teacher had left this book behind for me to read to their grade two class for the day. And I was so in love with it. I took a picture of it and uh, made sure that I could save the title to revisit at another time. So this book is called Maybe Something Beautiful, How Art Transformed a Neighborhood. It's written by F. Isabel Campoy and Teresa Howell and illustrated by Rafael Lopez. Now, this story, I would say, is great for kind of uh, young school-age children. Um, it has some kind of more complex ideas of community um, that might not work uh, great for a really, really young like preschool audience. But, you know, it has really bright illustrations. It's a really lovely story. So, you know, younger and older kids, I think, would enjoy it all around. But maybe around that kind of grade one to four age, I think would be really great. Um, so this is a true story, actually, and I wanted to talk a little bit about the illustrator Rafael Lopez before I got into it, because this book is actually based on part of his life. So Rafael was born in Mexico City and had a really interesting childhood. I really enjoyed reading about him. Uh, he grew up with two parents who were both architects and both professors, so he was surrounded by so much art and design as a child. Uh, then when he was 10 years old, his parents actually sent him to England to live with a Mexican-born performer and artist who taught him a lot more about drawing, painting, and even using a printing press to make books, which kind of started his love for, for text and for, for picture books. So eventually Raphael made his way to Los Angeles to earn a degree in fine arts, and then started working on the project that this book is inspired by. It's called The Urban Art Trail. And he also found his passion for illustrating picture books, particularly focused on diversity and visibility. So I'm going to leave the background info there because I don't want to give away too much about this book, but I will add that this book is the recipient of the 2017 Tomas Rivera Book Award for Young Readers. Uh, it also made the New York Public Library Best Books for Kids 2016 list, and it was also honored by the International Latino Book Awards as best Latino focused children's picture book. So it's a really special book. Um, it's about a great community um, in, <clears throat> pardon me, in San Diego. And I'm really excited to share it with you. So this is Maybe Something Beautiful, How Art Transformed a Neighborhood by F. Isabel Campoy and Teresa Howell, illustrated by Rafael Lopez. In the heart of a gray city, there lived a girl who loved to doodle, draw, color, and paint. Every time she saw a blank piece of paper, Mira thought to herself, Hmm, maybe. And because of this, her room was filled with color and her heart was filled with joy. On her way to school one day, Mira gave a round apple to Mr. Henry the owner of the shop down the street. She gave a flower to Ms. Lopez, the lady with the sparkling eyes. She gave a songbird to Mr. Sachs and a red heart to the policeman who walked up and down the streets. And in the illustrations, it shows that she's not 
actually giving the people these objects. Uh, she's giving them pictures of them that she has, has drawn and painted. On her way home, Mira taped a glowing sun onto the wall, hiding in the shadows. Her city was less gray, but not much. The next day, Mira saw a man with a pocket full of paintbrushes. He gazed at the wall. He looked at her son. He held his fingers up in a square and peered through them. Hmm, he said thoughtfully. What do you see? Mira asked. Maybe something beautiful, the man replied. Then just like that, he dipped a brush into the paint. Bam! Pow! The shadow scurried away. Sky blue cut through the gloom. The man's laughter was like a rainbow spreading across the sky. Who are you? Mira asked. I'm an artist, he said. A muralist. I paint on walls. I'm an artist too, Mira told him. He handed her a brush. Then come on! Mira dipped it in the loudest color she saw. Yowie! The wall lit up like sunshine. As the man drew pictures on the bricks, Mira added color, punch, and pizzazz. Soon, Mr. Sachs joined in. Then came others. Everyone painted to the rhythm. Salsa, merengue, bebop. Even Mira's mom painted and danced the cha-cha-cha. The whole neighborhood became a giant block party until the policeman walked up. Excuse me, he said. The music stopped. Mira put her brush down. They were surely in trouble. The officer cleared his throat, then paused. May I paint with you? He asked. So Mira handed him the paintbrush and the music started again. Teachers and papas jumped in. Babies too. Mira and the man handed out brush after brush. Color spread throughout the streets. So did joy. Wherever Mira and the man went, art followed like the string of a kite. After they painted the walls, they painted utility boxes and benches. They decorated sidewalks with poetry and shine, and everyone danced. Together, they created something more beautiful than they had ever imagined. When their clothes were splattered with a million colors, everyone sat down to rest, except the muralist. His eyes sparkled. You, my friends, are all artists, he told them. The world is your canvas. He smiled wide, then pulled everything together in big, sweeping motions. His paintbrush was like a magic wand. When he finished, Mira added one more bird way up in the sky. Maybe, she thought, just maybe. The end. What do you guys think of that book? <laughs> I really liked it. I really loved the vivid um the, the pictures that they that the the author painted with their words. Mm -hmm. I wish I could have seen the uh the the illustrations obviously because it sounds like I mean the murals would have been fantastic. So I'll yeah. have to go check that book out. Yeah, they're really beautiful. I encourage you to take a look at it online. They are uh, amazing amazing pictures. I'm always impressed with how much weight the words of a picture book still carry, mm -hmm. even without that whole element of the visuals. This is still such a rich story. Yeah. And I think all the more exciting because it is a true story. Yeah. So what I really loved about this story is that relationship between Mira and the painter. Um, you know, the, this painter character who is Raphael does an incredible job encouraging Mira's passion for art and sort of guiding her in turning it into something bigger and even more impactful. 
what do you think this story tells us about how adults can work with kids to, you know, see that little spark of passion or a talent and help them bring it to life without being overbearing or, or overwhelming towards them? Well, I think that's a great question. And I mean, as the three of us are teachers, that's something that we have to deal with every day when we go into schools. You know, how, what is the best way to inspire students without sort of stifling their own natural creativity? And I think that, um, honestly, the answer to that question is sort of self-evident in the question itself. Like, if you recognize a child's passion and support them rather than limit them to, you know, um, just like a little box, then I think that that is the best way in order to get them to reach their potential. Another thing that would be to treat them as equals. And that's something that, you know, the people who are most inspiring to me and the people who really had the biggest impact in my life are the teachers or the, or the, the adults who, you know, really involved me in their projects and treated me as somebody who was worthy of respect and worthy of sharing information with and not as somebody who was, um, you know, a lesser or like not as someone who's the student who really tried to involve me in the, to the same degree that they were. So, I mean, it's really, at the end of the day, if you're inspiring creativity and if you are, um, you know, allowing the, the students or the child to follow their passions and create for themselves and they're doing something that they enjoy, that's really um, the most important thing. Yeah, and I guess we all know that kids have a mind of their own. They're going to do what they want to do. Um, we can't be the ones making those choices for them. What we can control is the environment that the child is experiencing and our relationship with them. So if we are aiming to help um, inspire passion and help reach great potential, then I guess we would say that we want to have um, really like positive supportive relationships with them. And we want to try and create environments or situations where kids feel that they can take a risk to try something new and they feel like they are competent and able to do something great. Yeah, of course. Those are, those are really great. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to always keep, um, you know, keep it enjoyable for the child, not making it uh, overly competitive or making it something where they have to be perfect and just keeping it keeping it a passion for them right because you know something that a child is passionate about can turn into a frustration really quickly if there's far too much pressure put on them to you know make it perfect or advance to a level where they're not really ready for so I think just really making sure that they're still enjoying themselves, but but also, yeah, pushing them to take some risks with it and see if they can, you know, turn it into something bigger and better, uh, just like Mira was able to in the story. Mm -hmm. And one quote that I really loved from this book was the quote, together they created something more beautiful than they ever imagined. And I think that as an adult, if you're working on doing something together with a child or with a class, if you're achieving it together, then that's really the most important thing. So this book inspired me to think of this song, uh, Dream by Hey Rosetta. It's a great song about, you know, dreaming of something and picturing it in your head and then actually bringing it to life. So this is Dream by Hey Rosetta.
Welcome back to Midtown Bookshelf on Midtown Radio. Today we are sharing books that celebrate neighborhoods and communities. Matt, what book did you bring for for us today? Well, today on the show, we're celebrating the strength, charity, and resilience of our Kitchener community. So I'm very happy to introduce you and our listeners to a picture book written by one of our very own. Andrew Kolb is a graphic designer and picture book author. He lives in Kitchener, but has had his work featured in galleries, exhibitions, and bookstores all across North America. His book, Edmund Unravels, is the beautiful story of a boisterous ball of yarn who longs to leave home and see the world. Little does he know that home has its own way of yanking at our heartstrings. This book is called Edmund Unravels, and it's by local author Andrew Kolb. Here we go. It's funny. When talking about a ball of yarn, the end is actually the beginning. This end, for example, is the beginning of Edmund Loom, a little ball of energy. He was always on the lookout for adventure. From the time he could roll, Edmund loved to bounce down the three stairs to explore. His parents loved Edmund's enthusiasm, but a trip around the corner could mean hours spent reeling him in and rolling him back up. Edmund tried to keep it together. On most days, he kept to a routine of breakfast, school, chores, dinner, and then finally bed. But some days, Edmund just couldn't resist the tug of discovery. The older he got, the bigger he got, the farther away he could travel. His parents found it harder and harder to pull him back. And in this page, we see Edmund with his bags packed, waving goodbye to his little ball of yarn parents as he boards a bus with his yarn friends. Edmund loved the sights and sounds of new places. He was having so much fun he thought he might never go back home. There were challenges and scary times too, but even those were part of the adventure. And on this page, we see Edmund hopping away in fear of a gang of very large, but also very cuddly kittens. (laughs) There was so much to experience and so many interesting people to meet. If his parents could see what he was up to, they would be so surprised. But soon, Edmund realized how far he was from home and that something was missing. Edmund felt sad and alone. The sights and sounds weren't as much fun. Then, 
Edmund noticed a welcome tug and the joy of bouncing up three very familiar front stairs. Edmund rolled through the door and found just what he was missing. Familiar places, friendly faces. His family and friends had all pulled together to bring Edmund back home and roll him back up. Of course, Edmund continued to journey, but now he was sure to visit home before completely unraveling. Besides, when there is nothing left but the beginning of a ball of yarn, it's actually the end. And that's the end of the book. What a creative story. I love that. Yeah, I I don't think I've ever heard of a book about yarn. I love it, though. <laughs> yeah, the illustrations are fantastic. Andrew Kolb is a local author, but I think his primary focus is graphic design, and the illustrations are just a riot. They're so colorful, so imaginative. It really, really fits well with the story. And what I love about this story is that it's so rich in its simplicity. I mean, it really is a coming-of-age tale, but the way that Andrew Kolb has framed the story makes it accessible to different people in different ways, I think. And I'm wondering, what messages did you take from the story? Or what messages did you think the author wants to share? I think for me, this was a story about staying grounded and connected to your family, like how your family and your community are going to support you. And it's important to venture out and have new experiences and take risks, but to always come back to that place of home or community. I agree. I feel like um, I like the way that uh, Andrew wrote the character of the of the parents. I feel like it's a really like kind of healthy relationship that Edmund has with his parents you know they're they're trying to pull him back but they're also allowing him to go out and explore and take some risks on it on his own so I feel like it's just a really nice uh, nice relationship of you know being able to go out and explore the world but knowing that your family is always there when you need to come back to yeah, Allison, that's so true. And that's really what I took away from it, too, was the character of the parents. I mean, they don't figure too much in the actual plot of the story itself, but it's just so important that his parents allowed Edmund to go out and explore without being critical or without trying to protect or without holding him back. And I mean, I think that that's the message that I took from it was that it was almost like more directed to parents than it was to the child itself. And it's sort of a lesson on how you can how you can have your child want to come home it's about that relationship right and you have to, if you have that relationship of respect and trust where you let your kid uh go away without judging or without trying to hold them back then they are going to want to come back all the more i love that how the author describes that final um connection as a welcome tug so it's not you know the parents they could be pushing and heaving and pulling and like dragging him back but that's not what it's about there's just that little tug of hey just remember that we're here for you if you need us we're here yeah i love it there was so much thought that went into the the overall metaphor of the story with edmund as a ball of yarn it works in so many different ways uh, my second question for you is i love the line for edmund um he he bounced up those three familiar stairs and that's really when he knew that he was home and i'm wondering um is there a specific activity or something that you do or maybe a certain place that just when you do it or when you you're there it just you feel oh i'm home you have that sense of being at home is there a space or, or something like that for you um i think for me what what i loved about that this book highlighted it's kind of just the little things, you know, Edmund was able to explore the world and see all these really fabulous things going on. But what it said that he missed most was just those familiar faces and places, you know, it's just all the small things. I mean, for me, like waking up in the morning and having a cup of tea by the window with the cats crawling all around me. Like that is such a small routine, but that is so comforting to me to just 
be in my own space surrounded by what I love I think that's that's a really small thing but um you know that feels like home that's just that just puts me at ease and if I'm away for a long amount of time like that's something that I miss you know just sitting at my house in my own couch with my cats (laughs) for me I think it's a lot of it is the relationships that make me feel really at home there's this very sort of beautiful but cheesy line that comes to me from a song by Jack Johnson the song is banana pancakes and he says when the whole world fits inside of your arms do you really need to pay attention to the alarm and I've always loved that uh, lyric and just now like having a new baby I'll just hold her and I'll think oh this is just my whole world like this is my home right here Yeah. I had something very similar to Edmund actually. So he talks about how like the three, those three front steps are like when he knows he gets home. And when I was growing up, I lived in Fergus, like I mentioned uh, off the top. And when you're coming into Fergus down highway six, you you come over the top of a hill and you're just about to get into the city. And there's this yellow barn that is right around the corner when you come over top of the hill. And for me, anytime I was away, I'd always know I was home and I'd always feel that sense of being at home when I came over the top of the hill and I saw that yellow barn and I could just feel a sense of just relief. Like my body knew that I was back home. And I mean, that yeah, I still feel that way when I go to visit Fergus. I still come over the top of the hill, see the barn and just feel like, wow, this is, uh, this is my home. Yeah, and I feel like we get that a little bit with our current house as well. Um, Matt and I live right in Cherry Park, um, really close to Victoria Park as well. And, you know, coming down from on Victoria Street, for those of you that, that know Kitchener, you know, you're kind of through this industrial area and then there's lots of strip malls. And then you kind of turn the corner and pass the train station and you're just greeted with, with downtown Kitchener. You know, there's all these wonderful buildings. There's big high rises. You can see a few local places you know smile tiger coffee and just rounding that corner and knowing that we're we're coming into our neighborhood is always such a great feeling I mean like I said I I never thought that I would spend my adulthood in Kitchener um, after growing up here and that to me now is just such a comfort to see this this amazing city that I live in and all that's going on in it So um, Matt, thank you so much for bringing in that story today. That was a really lovely, lovely book and amazing to hear about a local author as well. Um, What song did you bring for us today? Well, like we said, whether you're traveling for months or years, or if you're just at work for a few hours, there really is no feeling as great as the one you get when you finally made it home. And we are all so lucky to call Kitchener and Waterloo Region, our home. And I I do want to say thank you so much to everybody um, who's at working at the Waterloo Region Food Bank at this time. Um, I mean, you guys are doing such a great job to help support this community that we call home. So I wanted to bring a song that really does celebrate that idea of home. Um, So here, I hope everyone has their dancing shoes on. This is Elliot Brood with the song Jigsaw Heart.
was Jigsaw Heart from Toronto's Elliot Brood. So this week on Midtown Bookshelf, we are discussing all about neighborhoods and communities that are highlighted in picture books. Serena, what book did you bring for us this week? This week, I brought a book that's the latest in the Questionnaires series. With titles like Ada Twist Scientist and Rosie Revere Engineer, this series from author Andrea Beattie and illustrator David Roberts features stories of children solving real-world problems. My selection uses rhymes and a charming second grader to tell the story of the Blue River Creek community. The book's editor, Era Finkel, says that this story explores what it means to be a citizen and encourages kids to stand up for what's important to them, no matter what profession they're interested in pursuing. This book is called Sophia Vardez, Future Prez. So here it is. Sophia was a baby who got things done, helping her family before she turned one. She and Abuelo went out every week to help elderly friends around Blue River Creek, who couldn't get out and about on their own, and with no place to gather were stuck home alone. Raking the leaves, taking pets for a walk, or just dropping by for a treat and a talk, Sofia Valdez did as much as she could for her family and friends and her whole neighborhood. A dreamer, a doer, a real-life go-getter. Most people like good, but Sofia liked better. Each morning, Abuelo walked Sofia to class. They walked home again along Blue River Pass, making plans, munching cookies, Abuelo and girl, except for that Tuesday when Pup saw a squirrel. So now um, Abuelo and Sofia, they have this little dog and the dog races across the city and up an enormous trash heap called Mount Trashmore and Abuelo and Sofia are in pursuit. Abuelo ends up hurting himself on Mount Trashmore and Sofia is so upset that Mount Trashmore even exists. She realizes that this space would be much better used as a park and her neighbors agree. They start giving her all these ideas of what an ideal park would look like, but then they leave it to her to figure out how to get this park built. Sofia has a sleepless night thinking about how she might get the park built. And then the book picks back up. Abuelo baked cookies when Sofia got up. He gave her a bagful and sneaked one to Pup. He blinked back a tear as he hugged his Sofia. For courage, he, whisp he whispered. Ti amo, mi vida. Sofia's knees wobbled. She felt weak inside. She looked at his ankle and quite nearly cried. Though she didn't feel brave or courageous at all, Sofia Valdez went to face City Hall. The mayor's office sent her to room 401, the Blue River Creek Department of Fun, which sent her downstairs to room 302, the office of duck ponds and cool things to do, to the office of monkeys, the department of cheese, the division of fountains and meetings and bees, the, depart the downstairs to the basement, so musty and cramped, where all the town's papers were sorted and stamped. And that's where the clerk said what no one else did. You can't build a new park. You're only a kid. The words smacked Sophia deep down in her heart. Her plan was kiboshed before it could start. I think, said Sophia, I think that law's wrong. But her second grade voice didn't sound very strong. The clerk said, clearly it cannot be done. Do you have any questions? Sophia said, one. And Sophia gets out a picture of her abuelo here. If you were me, and if I were you, and he was your grandpa, what would you do? I, well, said the clerk. Then she said nothing at all. She thought and she thought. Then she sent out a call to every employee throughout City Hall. The entire government of Blue River Creek crammed into the office to hear Sophie speak, but her words jumbled up and her cheeks turned bright red as a dozen emotions rushed into her head. Her heart beat so loudly she thought it would crack. The crowd leaned in closer. Sophie leaned back. Then her arm brushed the edge of the cookie sack. And that was the moment when Sophie first knew 
Being brave means doing the thing you must do. Though your heart cracks with fear, though you're just in grade two. She took a deep breath, looked the mayor in the eye, and though her knees wobbled, she held her head high. Sophie started talking, she spelled out her plan, and why it all mattered and how it began. And when she got rolling, she had lots to say about meetings and sports monkeys and places to play and other ideas for things they could do to help the town elders and other folks too. She had thoughts on the library, thoughts on the zoo, and perhaps a way to combine the two and... All right, cried the mayor. Go start a petition. If the town wants a new park, we'll form a commission. And so young Sophia got right to work with some help from her family and pup and the clerk. Then others joined in, not all, but a few, like Miss Lila Greer and the kids in grade two. There were hearings and surveys and taxes to figure, then bulldozers, cranes, and a blue bigger digger. They all built the park. That's how it got done with the hard work of, by, and for everyone. But it began with the dream of one person, just one, who laced up her shoes and then led the way to help Blue River Creek get a new place to play. Now every evening till long after dark, the town comes together at Citizens Park. They all hold this truth to be self-evident that Sofia Valdez could grow up to be president. Until then, Sophia, the real-life go-getter, helps Blue River Creek get better and better. And that is Sophia Valdez, Future Prez. What did you two think? Wow, that's lovely. I've, I've heard a few other ones in that series, uh, the, the Questionnaire series, but this was a new one for me, and what an inspiring story. Is it based on a true story? Not a specific true story. Mm-hmm. I think it's just sort of a general yeah. story of how kids can get things done. Wow, wonderful. Well, I really like the fact that not only is it an inspiring story, it also actually brings in a lot of things that you'd actually go up against or you'd actually have to do in order to make a big project like this a reality. Like, I, I really like the fact that it was more deep. It, was, it wasn't just like Sophia dreamed up this park and then went to talk to the mayor and then it happened. It actually mm-hmm. was a lot more detailed than that and brought in some of the actual you know, bureaucratic hurdles that was in there. And I really appreciate that because I think that it gives uh, kids an actual understanding that of, of, what they're, uh, of, of what the sort of, you know, I mean, the, the levels of government and those, those sort of hurdles can be. But also it tells them that you can, you can do it. You can get a petition. You can go through council. You can do all, like, get the surveys and stuff. And it, just because there are those hurdles there doesn't mean it's impossible. So I like the fact that it's a little more um, realistic than some of the other inspirational, aspirational books of that nature. Yeah, and I was wondering, I, this maybe would be a good book to break down to talk about the different roles that people played. Because at the end of the book, we hear that great line about um, with the hard work of, by, and for everyone. So this part comes together because of the group that's involved. But then the book goes on to say, but it began with the dream of one person, just one. So I think that is something that you could really break down as well and look at the different roles people play in making changes in a community. Someone has to be that person who goes first, who puts an idea out there, uh, who probably experiences the most pushback against that idea. And then you need a group of people who's kind of those first that get on board and they're going to help push it along, but they maybe they're not going to spearhead it necessarily. And you need then the outer ring of people who think maybe just in their day-to-day life, they support it, but they're not really taking actions for it. Like there's so many levels of involvement that you can have and so many um, levels of like groups of people who need to be involved. Like you you even need that clerk to be involved. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think it it's nice because it can kind of inspire people that, yeah, there are different ways to get involved. Like you don't need to be that person that dreams big all the time. But, you know, you could be someone working in government or a lawyer that decides to go after cases and projects that they're passionate about and they think, well, you know, make a good a good difference in the world and have a positive impact. So there's always different ways to get involved. You don't always need to be that 
person that's like super out there taking big risks um you know you can help in smaller like administrative ways honestly those those people make a really big difference as well Allison is there one of those levels that you identify with more than others Um, Matt I'm gonna ask you this question after (laughs) I would say I mean I I want to say that I'm the big idea person I I feel like but I feel like I'm the idea person, but I'm maybe not always the action person. Um, I I'm certainly can be a more shy person at times, um, and I'm not always not always the person that's gonna like cold call an office and be like, "Hey, I have this opportunity. What do you think about it?" <laughs> um, but I also kind of like the back end of things, you know, like making posters and making social media things and kind of like that the little administrative things so yeah I guess I guess more the behind the scenes stuff um that's kind of that's kind of what I like and Matt yeah I mean I have a I mean I have lots of ideas and I'm working on trying to be better at making sure those ideas actually come to reality I mean I'd like to say that I'm like Sophia but I mean, Sophia, she's so tenacious. And she, when she has her vision, she just goes about it and, and puts it in place. And I'm working on that. I think in the story, I would be maybe the person who like writes the, the letter to the editor or something, you know, so a supporting know. role, but also, you know, also uh, Matt, important. <laughs> Matt, I think you're Sophia. But, and I think what this book didn't show is probably the, probably the dozens of other ideas that Sophia has had where she said, you know, we should also fix the sidewalks. We should also fix the trees. We should also fix. And she's probably had tons of ideas. And this is the one that, that ended up making it and moving forward. Yeah, so I Alice- think you are Sophia. <laughs> <laughs> well, Allison's very patient with my, uh, with my different gripes and different ideas. She's always very good at, uh, at listening to, to me as I go on about that stuff. So I appreciate that. <laughs> and one more, one more little local thing, I, or I guess to bring it back to our KW community is, I don't know if Serena and Matt, you know this because you didn't grow up here, um, but we actually have a Mount Trashmore in Waterloo. Did either of you know that? I do know that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is it McLennan Park? Is that what it's called? Um. Maybe. The, the real name for it. Well, yeah. I I always thought it was just like the garbage dump, but I'm not. Maybe I, maybe I don't know for sure. But I grew up like in the neighborhood very close to the dump in North Waterloo, and we always called it Mount Trashmore because before uh, there was big shopping plazas there, it was literally just a field with with big garbage piles in it. So there were people that would toboggan and sled around there in the winter, and that was a fun time. But yeah, McLennan Park is also a park that's like really hilly and. I would imagine there's some trash under there. <laughs> well, I uh, I think Serena, I think you're right that that Mount Trashmore is now a park, and I think mm. I love the fact that there's now buttons that I've seen. They're like KW centric buttons, being like I sledded on Mount Trashmore yeah. or something like that. You know, it's just it's nice to have that little local flavor. And when uh, and when you said that, Serena, I was like, yeah, Mount Trashmore. There's one here in KW too. So mm-hmm. nice to have those little connections. I love yeah. It. <laughs> well, what a great book, Serena. That was what a nice look into, you know, the great things that can happen in community. And I think about the people in Kitchener and Waterloo that are trying to be like Sophia and advocating for what they believe in to to make our neighborhoods, you know, better places for us. So what song did you think of today to match up with your book? I brought a wonderful upbeat song that is about showing up for one another and supporting one another. This is from Juno award-winning Burlington-based band Walk Off the Earth. The song is I'll Be There. When the tears are rolling down like a river to the ocean and there's no one else around, you won't question my devotion.
I'll Be There by Walk Off the Earth. Thank you so much for joining us today on Midtown Bookshelf here on Midtown Radio. Today on the program, you heard me read Maybe Something Beautiful by F. Isabel Kempoy and Teresa Howell. Matt Rappelt read Edmund Unravels by Kitchener author Andrew Kolb. And Serena McDermott shared with us Sophia Valdez, Future Prez by Andrea Beatty. Next week, we will be sharing books all about families and Mother's Day. So we hope that we see you next week on Sunday at 10 a.m. Until then, take care. Today on the program, you heard Matt Rappelt read Edmund Unravels by Kitchener author Andrew Kolb. And Serena McDermott shared with us Sophia Vardez, Future Prez by Andrea Beattie.